All right, the This Week in Golf podcast. And this week we are covering Ricky Fowler's win. Taylor Gooch has now won three times on the Live Tour. The Women's U.S. Open. Bernard Longer on the senior side. And then the OWGR. That's the girl, <laughs> the girl, the world golf ranking system. And there's been some news with that and kind of how it pertains to Live. But let's kick it off with Ricky Fowler, and he just won the Rocket Mortgage Classic, a non-elevated event, but nonetheless a win, and Ricky has been playing very well all season long, and particularly in the last few weeks, he played well at the U.S. Open, and then he played well at the Travelers last week, so he finally gets a win, his first win since the Waste Management Open, I don't even know what year it was, might have been 2018, 2019, something along that time period. But it was rather impressive. He had to birdie the 18th hole on the final day to force a playoff, which he did. He hit the ball to about three feet away on his second shot, has a tap-in birdie, makes it, forces a playoff between him, Adam Hadwin, and Colin Morikawa. Quick shout-out to Morikawa. He, early in the year, he was playing, I believe, in the Hawaiian... the Not I believe, I know in the Hawaii tournament, perhaps the Sony Open. That I don't know the name of. But anyways, he was playing. He was way ahead going into the final round on Sunday. And then he pretty much melted down. And John Rahm came from behind and won. And, you know, the the golf announcers at the time, oh, will he be able to come back from it? This is devastating to people's careers, blah, blah, blah. Anyways... I think he's been having a fairly decent year. I really haven't been looking at him much because he hasn't been in too many top tens. But nonetheless, he was um, in the playoff for this one. And so he definitely tied for, I guess, second with Hadwin because Ricky Fowler in the first playoff hole, dig this, he he hits his ball so far right, he's in the concession area. He's practically in a tent. And... And uh, Hadwin and Morikawa were both in the fairway. And Fowler ends up hitting the best shot of all three of them. He hits it to about 14 feet away. And he sinks the putt for the win. So, again, been playing great all year. Now he's the man. And good for him to actually get a win under his belt for how far he's come. In the last year, he was less than the last year. Probably nine months ago, he was 185 in the world ranking. I think now with this win, he's in the top 30. If you want to check out his swing, I made a video. It's on the Golf BPM YouTube account, and it's about two minutes long, and it's a montage of all his winning swings time to our music, which ended up being 156 beats per minute. Actually, I think he swings a lot faster than that, but I, I started the the one beat right before he moves the club. So I don't think he's quite at, the, at our fastest swing speed, but he's pretty darn close. So that is Ricky. And, you know, one of the more popular players on tour really moves the needle. If you post a video with Ricky, it's going to get more views than a video with Wyndham Clark, 
right? Or whoever else. So Ricky, for whatever reason over the years, has been a crowd favorite. And now he's got the win. So he's got some momentum and, you know, quite a bit of time left in the season. So let's see. Maybe he can get another win. I'm always talking about on the podcast, people with multiple wins in in, a, in the year. And maybe he can get to that point. But speaking of multiple wins in the year, and I've mentioned him several times because Taylor Gooch has won twice in the Live Tour. And he won last week. He won. And so now he gets his third win. And he overcame Bryson DeChambeau. And he was down two strokes going into the final nine holes. So on the 10th hole, he was two strokes down. And he ends up beating uh, DeChambeau by one stroke. So he gets $4 bucks, And that was in Spain. I forget the name of the course. Perhaps Valderrama. I don't know. And so with that win... There's kind of, you know, some interesting things around Taylor. He was essentially screwed out of a position by the USGA in the U.S. Open. He did try to qualify and he didn't make it. So I guess the people who are still choosing sides on Live versus PGA who are on the PGA side could say, see, he wasn't good enough to make it through qualifying. But whatever. He, uh, he, he was good enough to win three times this year. And now there's chatter if it's, if he should be on the Ryder Cup team, which is an obvious yes. I think the only thing that would hold him back from being on that team is maybe if he's not a good team player. <laughs> but I mean, if you want the best player, I mean, it's so funny. It's like, I remember years ago, the 49ers, when they hired Jim Harbaugh as their coach, my dad didn't like Harbaugh because he was terse in his press conference and he wasn't engaging and, and I was like, Dad, this is football. You know, we don't need somebody to be our friend here. We, we want somebody who gets the best out of people. And so that's what's happening with Taylor Gooch and the Ryder Cup team and all that. Now, let's talk a little bit just more about Lib because I, I've actually been watching it on YouTube through the highlights. And I must say, you know, there's a lot of chatter about the music is playing. And, and it seems like a lot of golf broadcasters who are loyal to the tour have to always say, oh, well, the broadcast on Live is just not good. And they may be on to something, but I will say this. This is where Live is getting it right and dominating the PGA Tour. And the PGA Tour needs to get with it, quite honestly, on their YouTube highlights. The Live Golf Tour highlights on YouTube are far, far superior to the PGA. They do, like, if you turn on a PGA highlights on YouTube, it's like, it, it might as well just be the ESPN feed without the ESPN, without the annoying, yo, he makes it, announcing, right? It's uh, it's it's just boring. And this is the problem with golf and, you know, getting more eyes on it is making it less boring. And Liv's doing it right. They have the highlight package on YouTube. Watch their videos. Because, you know, obviously it's hard to find it on the CW or your local TV network. But just go on YouTube and they'll have day one highlights. And one of the things... That they're well, a couple of things that they're really doing well is when the highlights start, they'll kind of show like the golf course or wherever it's at, but then they show the players walking in. And I think you're going to start seeing more of this like players walking in, players with their families, players with their wives, kind of showing the lifestyle a little bit, very similar to what Full Swing did with uh, on Netflix, right? So you're seeing more of this, and it's just like they're hyping it before the highlights come on. And then once the highlights are on, um, they're kind of just standard golf highlights. But 
that it's like these little intros and outros make a difference. So, and they're just, there's so many more highlights. It's like so much better. You watch in a 15 minute period of time, you can watch the entire, you know, Friday round of live highlights and, you know, and they're showing the good players. And, and even when they, um, when I watched the final round highlights, there was one highlight they put up and it was just because it ended up being DeChambeau and Gooch in this particular case. It was just those two players in the highlights and that was it. And I need to show some other guy making a good chipping or whatever. Sure, we love to see that. But the highlight is Gooch versus DeChambeau. So that's what they showed. Okay, so the other interesting thing that I will say about Live, one of the things that the PGA Tour needs to pick up immediately is this microphone inside of the hole. So golf, you know, sometimes when you're watching golf, it's kind of you're watching it, but it's on in the background and you stop paying attention to it. There's really something about this like ball sound going in the hole that's like gamified it. It's almost like when you're playing a video game and maybe you pick up a coin and the the game makes a certain sound. That's what this is doing. So all of a sudden you're passively watching and you hear a, a putt go in and all of a sudden you have to turn and look and see the replay. So it's, it's uh, Pavlonian. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So that's something I think they should pick up. Okay, moving along. Continuamos, as they say in Espanol. Uh, let's talk about the Women's U.S. Open. And the Women's U.S. Open um, is at Pebble Beach. And obviously you got your big players, Nellie Corda, Rose Zhang, and of course Michelle Wee. And the reason we mentioned Michelle Wee is because it's going to be her last professional event. She's retiring, and interestingly, I got to play Pebble Beach last week. I certainly did. I was in San Jose for a work trip, and and here's some good advice for anybody out there. Normally, to play Pebble Beach, you have to stay at the lodge for two nights, or maybe it's three nights, and then you get two rounds of golf, so like Spyglass Hill, Pebble Beach, and then a couple nights at the lodge. You can go with your buddies double occupancy or your buddies and you bring your wives and whatnot. So that's kind of how it goes. But I didn't do that. I just called the the tea time or the number on the website and I asked if they had tea times. And they said, you have to call at 7 a.m. the day before. So on Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. I got on the phone and they had a 6.50 tea time for the following day for Thursday. So I said, yes, I would like this time. And the woman on the phone who was very nice, she goes, as she was doing this, she goes, oh, the tea time's gone. Like somebody took it. Somebody else beat me to the punch. I don't know. Maybe someone else was calling in. Maybe someone in the pro shop was holding the time for someone. No idea. So I was just, I wasn't bummed. I was just like, well, I, I went into that day thinking if there's a time available, I'll get it and I'll play. And if there's not, there's not. Very uh, like almost a stoicism with the mindset, right? Ah, the universe has spoken. I don't get to play. So I went back to sleep. And the phone rang 10 minutes later with an 831 area code, which is Monterey. So I figured I better answer this. And it was the, the woman who I had spoke to before. And she said, that time is available. Would you like it? Yes, of course. I would love to have that. So the next day, I got to play at 6.50 in the morning. For anyone interested, it's $625. I got a pull cart, so it was $640. I figured, what the heck, you know, I I, uh, I do pretty well work-wise in my software engineering job, and I figured I owe it to myself to play a pebble. I haven't played it since I was in high school, so 
that's what I did. I got out there. The you um, when you get to the course, you check your bag in or whatever. You go down and check in and pay. And then if you want to go to the range, they actually have a shuttle that drives you up to the range because the the range is about it's probably a a good par five away, six hundred yards away. So they drive you up the hill. Beautiful range. Beautiful practice facility. They did not uh, allow us to hit on the range. All the range was AstroTurf. So just warmed up on the range. Uh, the balls are TaylorMades. Not a huge... F- I used to play the TaylorMade ball, but I'm not anymore. But anyways, it's a good ball. And it's the, you know, their tour ball. So you go up there, you do that. You walk back, you ride, excuse me, back to the first tee. Meet your group. And while we're there, while we're meeting our first group to play, there's a group in front of us, I guess the 640 time. And that was... Michelle Wee. There she was in her bucket hat and her black and white Air Jordans playing a practice round in the group in front of us. So it's always good to see a true LPGA player, a celebrity, all the above. Good day at Pebble. Here is what the players, the women can expect out at Pebble based on my experience being out there. 6.40 tea time. So anybody with a morning tea time is probably going to experience this. It is June, July in the summertime in Pebble Beach, which means there's a heavy marine layer probably throughout the day, but definitely in the morning time. And that's exactly what we played with. Heavy marine layer, mist for the first three holes. So much mist, my rangefinder would not even work, which is interesting because I swear my rangefinder has worked in the rain, but in the heavy mist, it wouldn't work. And... That was kind of for the first three holes. The mist stopped and then probably like, I don't know, like 500 feet up, there was just like a marine layer and a cloud. It wasn't too cold. It was about 60 degrees, 61 degrees. There was no wind. There's a little wind, but there weren't any waves on the ocean the day we were there. So the bay was very flat around the course and the tide was out a little bit at that time in the morning time. So the... Rough is about three to four inches deep. It seems deeper on the fairway in certain points than it is around the green. And of course, that early in the morning with that much mo- with that much moisture in the air, it's definitely hard to get out of. I tried to punch out of it with a four iron and I could not. Ball went about 30 feet. So a seven iron I could get out with. Seven iron and lower was not an issue for me to get out of, but the higher up... Um, the four and the five, I didn't have much trust in getting that through that rough. So what else? The other thing that you notice about Pebble when you're playing it, the greens are tiny. They're so small. And I was very worried going into the day about being short-sighted, but forget short-sighted. The green is, if you're on the green, you're usually pretty close to the hole. So the greens are small and you know, the player that can hit the most greens is obviously going to win. Now, speaking of which, Rose Zhang, the last time she played there, I think it was the U.S. Amateur or maybe it was one of the college tournaments, hit all 18 greens in regulation. So whoever can do that is probably certainly going to be in the money and potentially win it. The last thing I will say is the fairway bunkers and really the sand around the greens in general The guy that was caddying with us said they replaced that sand about a year ago. It's very heavy and there's a lot of it. And so the two times I was in the fairway bunker, I was only able to advance. Well, I, you know, 
was trying to hit the green, obviously. And the minute the club goes into the sand, it just dug in. So unless, and, and, and it's hard to pick things clean there because every bunker that you're in, particularly the fairway bunkers are quite penalizing in that they have faces on them and kind of all this overgrown grass around them as well. So there's a lot of danger out there. Oh, in, in fact, speaking of that grass, I got hung up in that grass on the second hole. I didn't even go into the bunker. I got into like this super deep patch of <laughs> hay slash grass. I was able to get out, but it wasn't it wasn't great. So that's uh, what's happening this week. And probably a lot of eyeballs on that tournament simply because we all know that course. We know the seventh hole, the eighth hole, all the holes along the ocean there, which Another important fact is I've been hearing him talk about on the Golf Channel all week is this 8th, ninth, and 10th hole at Pebble. They're particularly difficult. The 8th, you're usually a long iron in there, so you're usually at least... The least you could do into the 8th hole is, I think, probably about 160 yards, and that's right on the edge of the cliff. So most, most of the players will be coming in from 180 yards or more into that green. The ninth hole was playing about 420 for me, which will for the ladies as well. And it's pretty much impossible to hit that ball short and roll it onto the green. So you got to fly it under the green there. And then 10th, I, I, 10, I dominated. I had like a 300 yard drive. I think I had a, about 110 yards into it, hit it on, missed the birdie, <laughs> but it was close. I had a good roll on it. Okay. Moving along, let's go and talk about the senior tour and specifically Bernard Longer who at age 65 won the U.S. Senior Open last week. He also now has 46 wins on the senior tour so he is the all-time winning player on the senior tour and his 12th major so I guess he has 10 majors on the the senior open because he's won the masters twice. So, congrats to Bernard, still going along at 65. May we all be so lucky to play so good when we get to be that age. Congratulations. And then the final topic of the day is the, I guess it's the OWGR ranking system. I'm going to guess, one world golf ranking system. And this is a thing I've been talking about many times on the podcast in the past is this how they basically got rid of the live players and they colluded with the PGA tour and the DP world tour to unrank people or not so much unrank them, but just not give them credit for playing in the live events. And so these guys like Taylor Gooch and Dustin Johnson and Cam Smith, they're all falling down the rankings. Cam and Dustin are still, I think they're both still in the top 20, but they haven't gotten any points in the last year. Which is also a funny thing. Like, they haven't gotten points within the last year, and they're still in the top 20. But, yeah, this uh, fella on Twitter, he's got a Twitter handle of Desert Duffer LLG. And that's, that LLG is actually his podcast. They have a podcast. It's the Live Laugh Golf Podcast. Live, like L I V, Laugh Golf Podcast. Anyways, this guy, there's some sort of court case. I think it's uh, Patrick Reed's attorney in Florida. And there were a bunch of documents that came out and they unsealed the documents. And he read through them and posted them on Twitter. And now all the other reporters started reporting it as well. But 
basically from the document dump, basically what it showed was that the PGA Tour and the GP Tour World Tour were working with the One World Golf Ranking to basically give more points to the PGA stuff and, you know, not have these live guys rank up. So it's like, be on our side, be on our side. And this is something like what I've been talking about in the past with this ranking system of like, if if they continue to do it now, obviously the tours are going to merge and they're going to work together on some sort of ranking system. But what I was saying before is these guys are, they're going to be, they're going to be out soon simply because why, if, if you're not ranking the live golfers, how can you have a ranking system? So I, my theory was someone else would come along and create a ranking system and then that would eventually replace them. But now that they've joined, they're working together. And so one of the things, particularly with the ranking system that I see happening moving forward and, you know, you hear how are live players going to rejoin the PGA Tour? This is like a talking point on everybody's podcast or the golf channel. How are live players going to go back to the PGA Tour? Because everybody thinks that, number one, live is going to get canceled. It's not. And then the other thing that they seem to think is all these guys playing on live want to go back to the PGA Tour, which they don't. <laughs> they simply don't. So, but you do have a question of like, okay, so if you have two tours, if you have PGA Tour and you have live, and the way I see it, live is going to be the super tour. And that's, you know, where all the money and the players and the teams and the ownership, the players are going to get ownership of the team. So there's going to be a lot more money there. And then you have the PGA Tour. So, well, I guess it doesn't even matter who, let's say the PGA Tour is going to be better than Liv. So Liv's going to be the feeder to the PGA Tour. So you still have to have a way for the PGA Tour players, in this case, to go back down to Liv and the Liv players to go up to the PGA Tour. Because if you're playing good in one tour, you've got to get promoted into the next tour. So that's where this ranking system, why they have to combine the ranking system. It's how are you going to promote and relegate between tours? And that's where they're coming back in with this. Um, so we will see what happens with this ranking system. But anyways, it's interesting to see that they were doing what we exactly what we thought they were doing. And uh, finally, uh, let's just give a warm up for next week. Next week is the U.S. Open for the women, as we said, at Pebble Beach. Liv is in London at the Centurion, which is interesting. Liv's playing back-to-back events, and then they're playing an event in London so that all the players can be in England so that they're ready for the British Open, which is in, I think, two weeks. And then finally, the PGA Tour is the John Deere Classic, which is a non-elevated event, and only nine of the top 50 players in the world are there. So a chance for someone, a non-known player, to win an event, to rank up, to level up. You know what I mean. Thanks, everybody. That's This Week in Golf. Hey, it's Jeremy Callahan, and thanks for listening to This Week in Golf. Make sure and hit subscribe so you can get all the latest news and analysis from Golf BPM.